This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi everyone, it's Alice Cash, your host of Weekly Woman, sponsored by Jubilance for PMS. Today we have a special show where I'm talking to Camilla Tan, pro beach volleyball player who's made some big changes this year during the pandemic. We're talking about all kinds of pivots on the podcast today and more about it after this word from our sponsor. First, we have to give it up for our sponsor, Jubilance for PMS, the only supplement on the market to help relieve your emotional PMS symptoms. This supplement is produced by a woman-run company and is the only clinically tried supplement on the market for the emotional side of PMS. Just think if you could stop all the stressing and those anxieties that accompany PMS. It's totally possible with a supplement you take once a day. Learn more if Jubilance is right for you at jubilance.com. Pivoting is a hard thing to admit. A lot of us have had to pivot in some way or another during the pandemic, whether that meant working from home, finding new jobs, taking care of family, or just reframing how we think about the world. For me, I was a full-time theater director in 2019. I directed 20 productions, racing from rehearsal to rehearsal, and had basically no free time ever. In 2020, theater didn't exist. I was lucky because I started working on this podcast and for this amazing company dedicated to women's health, but I also felt that I always defined myself as a theater director. Pivoting is understanding that it takes courage to say that you're now working towards something else. For me, it was a straight path of pushing to be the best that I could be, but the pandemic literally made me stop and re-examine what I was doing. A lot of the pandemic, I felt like I was just treading water. I'm sure we all felt and feel that way at times during all of this, but I actually finally had a moment to breathe. Me defining myself as a theater director doesn't take away from me wanting to define myself as something new now. I can go on a different path and use what I learned from my previous career to move forward. Pivoting is pushing into the next thing. It might not always work, but at least we'll keep striving. After the break, we'll hear from a girl who's pivoted in all kinds of ways. Camilla Tan joins us next. Managing my stress levels. I take on way too much, I do way too many things, and every year I tell myself I'm going to do less and less. I always seem to not meet that goal every year. I've removed no stress from my life. There is um, too much to do. If you're also trying to remove stress from your life, the only thing that has helped me immensely, more than anything, has been jubilance. Uh, This PMS supplement (laughs) is a lifesaver, and most of the stress that I have to deal with is on my period, and it helps me keep my cool, find my peace, and deal with my stress and manage it better. But now that I have jubilance to help me with all this stress, I was able to get everything I need to get done. I am not overwhelmed and I can finally put this all away and just enjoy what 2021 has to bring. So Camilla, can you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing during COVID? So like we all have these crazy experiences. What have you been watching? What have you been doing? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so in a year ago, when quarantine first started happening, I was actually in the second half of my master's program, master's in public health at UCLA. Um, and I graduated in June 2020. So in the middle of oh my. 
classes. Yeah, in the middle of classes, you know, the lockdowns happened, um, school shut down, I graduated online. It was just, it was insane. Um, but it was also in a school of public health. So we were, you know, my epidemiology class was like analyzing the virus as it was spreading. Wow. Yeah, it was like getting a front row seat to what was happening. Um, so that was the first part of what I did during quarantine. And then I started a recovery coaching business to help athletes and their families overcome um, an experience with an eating disorder. And then, you know, I played a little bit of professional beach volleyball here and there, you know, continuing my training. And then my little brother got diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. So I scooted back home and have been with my family ever since and have been working and doing a bunch of random things, but, um, you know, ultimately spending time with them and pouring out my heart there. So that's a long answer to your question, but that's what my year has been like. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot going on from graduate school to pro volleyball to being with your family. That's good that you can be with them during this time. That's yeah. really tough. Yeah, it's been a really difficult time and it's been a really fruitful time um, because we've gotten to work on our relationships together, you know, strengthen each other, be there for each other in all of the difficult things. And, um, you know, like we're working as a team to battle an illness. And I like to you know, parallel that experience with what I do in my business right now, too, because, you know, like, when somebody's struggling with an eating disorder, it's a really important for the family to rally around them and show them support and, um, you know, in the same way that we're doing with Xavier's cancer. So a lot of parallels there for dealing with a chronic illness. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about founding your company and like how the, how you were inspired from your own um, your own battle with an eating disorder? Sure. Um, so I originally started, my company is called Embracing Strength. And I originally started it kind of just as an online um, presence mm -hmm. because I wanted to, you know, create a, a safe space essentially for people to just come and be in community with others that are struggling with the same issues. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit more about what I had been going through, just the treatment process and, um, and playing in professional and elite athletics um, and also recovering from an eating disorder at the same time, which is really difficult. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to have an online presence to explore all of that. And then people started asking me if I, if it was my business. <laughs> and I was kind of like, no, it's not a business, but it got my wheels turning about people are starting to ask me for services. And, you know, maybe I can use my story to provide and to guide and be a mentor to not only athletes, not only young women and men, but also, their families and, you know, how to set up a treatment team, how to navigate the healthcare system within all of it, because there's not a lot of guidance out there for mm -hmm. that, um, especially in the world of athletics. So yeah, that's kind of how it came about. And can you talk a little bit more about your story, um, if, if it's okay with you? 
Um, can you share with your with our viewers and listeners about um, about your own struggle? Absolutely. Um, I think it. I mean, it fits really well into you know Jubilance's theme of womanhood and empowering ourselves as women um, because you know basically once I dug into the root of it, once I had the time and the resources to dig into why I had an eating disorder. The root of it was that like, I didn't know how to empower myself. I didn't know how to be self-confident in who I was. Um, I didn't like know where my true identity lie, lies. Um, and that, that was kind of the heart of it. But basically as an athlete, you know, you have all these pressures to look a certain way, to train a certain way. Um, you have to fit up to fit into this beauty standard. You know, there's a lot of um, ideas out there that if you look a certain way, you're going to perform better. That if you oh. weigh less, you'll you'll perform better. Um, and so, like all of those pressures caught up to me when I was in college, and you know, combined with anxiety, depression, and some self-esteem issues that spiraled into controlling food and controlling my body. And I eventually was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa, um, really tried, tried really hard to recover while I was at UCLA playing beach volleyball on the team. Um, but I just wasn't, I wasn't able to really dig into it as much as I needed to there. And then when I went into grad school, I actually relapsed and um, landed in the hospital at Rady Children's Hospital, um, was hospitalized for my eating disorder, went through six months of treatment at the UCSD Eating Disorder Center, and um, have been in strong recovery ever since. And just now, two years later, want to use my story and use my platform um, and use all the knowledge that I've learned to serve others. That's wonderful, Camilla. And I think like what you said, there is no handbook on this. People need help and how are they supposed to know what to do when this happens? And kind of like our period and like Jubilance's topic, it's taboo. Like people aren't talking about that. How do you start to break those barriers with this subject matter? That's a great question. And you're so right. It is so taboo. I think that our society is getting better at giving people a voice to you know speak their truths and um, speak about things that have previously been taboo but we still have a lot of work to do so um you asked how i break those barriers i think just first it starts out with creating a safe space for people because a lot of why it is taboo is because people are afraid to speak up. Like I remember when I was struggling with my eating disorder that I was just so scared for anyone to know mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be labeled as that girl with the mental illness, you know, like that girl with the eating disorder. I didn't want that to be attached to my identity. I wanted to be so much more than that, but so I didn't want to, I didn't know who I could speak to about it. Um, so I think it starts with creating a safe space. And then I also think that it starts with empowering people to know that that doesn't define them. You know, like that's what they're struggling with, but it can be overcome. And once you 
dig deep into who you really are, you know, what you're most aligned with, what makes you happy, what sets your soul on fire, then you can really start to break out of those barriers and understand that, you know, that doesn't define you. It may be part of your life, but um, you are so much more as a person, as a spirit, as a body, like you're so much more than that. That's amazing, Camilla. And amazing that you're able to help all of these women. Um, can you talk about a little bit about what you're passionate about? What sets your heart on fire? Is it volleyball? Yeah, so volleyball is definitely um, something that sets my heart on fire and just a really special way that I've been able to connect with people. Um, you know, when I was in college and growing up, I thought it was like my passion to just like be the most professional athlete I could possibly be and, um, and like achieve the highest level. And then like, as I went through my eating disorder recovery, I realized that the sport is so much more to me than that. Mm -hmm. It's a way to connect with people. It's like a platform to use, to raise, um, raise people's voices about important issues. It's a place of empowerment um, and just like appreciating what the human body can do. There's so many things that is, are, is what, well, wow, can't speak grammar. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things about beach volleyball that I just love, um, including being out on the beach. So yes, that sets my soul on fire. <laughs> Serving people sets my soul on fire. Um, getting out in nature sets my soul on fire. Having conversations like this, I'm very passionate about. Um, yeah. Amazing, Camila. How did you get into volleyball? When did you start playing? And when did you discover beach volleyball? I got into volleyball when I was in high school. Wow. That's really late for a professional volleyball player, too. It is. Um, I, I mean, I played very recreationally when I was younger than that, but I just started playing club volleyball this summer, I think, before my freshman year in high school. So I was 14 when I first started playing competitively and then, you know, barely made the freshman team by the skin of my teeth in high school. <laughs> Um, and then kind of worked my way up. I discovered beach volleyball when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and it was terrible at first. And the only people that would play with me were my uncle and his older friend. <laughs> they were like, okay, yeah, we'll let this girl play with us. But I was so bad. Um, yeah. And and similarly to indoor, I just kind of slowly worked my way up and eventually in college transferred from UC San Diego where I was playing indoor to UCLA in the middle of my sophomore year and was, you know, part of that now nationally ranked program. Um, so yeah, slowly but surely. Wow. There. And then I also played USA Beach Volleyball with your sister, um, <laughs> which was so much fun. And we had a blast. So yeah, it's been a journey. Wow, that's amazing. Doing so many different and various things. <laughs> that's awesome. And can you talk a little bit about um, some of your other passions? So I know that you're a content creator as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so 
similarly to what I said earlier, I really wanted to create that online presence that's just a, a safe space for people to come in, share their thoughts and feelings um, with me or with others. And as a way to connect with people, because I know that with, um, with issues of eating and body image and exercise addiction or compulsive exercise, I'm not the only person that struggles with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it's a tab- taboo subject. So if somebody doesn't speak about it, who will, you know, type of thing. So every time I post something, it's kind of scary. <laughs> um, but I do it. I post most of my content on my page, embracing underscore strength on Instagram. Um, and I find that many people connect with what I'm saying. And sometimes the content comes on a whim, like I'm, you know, struggling with my own emotional, um, emotional process and I want a space to put it out there. So I use that platform or sometimes it's something that I plan out and I do a series of like breaking down myths about eating disorders, things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an ongoing process with the content creation. And, um, I love things like this because I get new ideas every time I connect with someone. Oh, that's awesome. Well, good. And something that we always ask on this podcast is what is your definition of womanhood? Sure. I think the first word that comes to mind when thinking about womanhood is really just resilience. Mm. Because I think in our society, women have been so oppressed in so many ways throughout history. Um, and we've really had to prove ourselves and break some of those barriers that we've talked about um, and just empower ourselves as women to like understand that we are so worthy um, of our dreams and things like that. And when I think about my eating disorder recovery, it really just is resilience. It's breaking through fears around like weight gain or challenging fear foods or breaking habits that were so ingrained in my brain. Um, and women, like we're so resilient. Like we can carry a baby. And <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, we take care of families. Um, and we also are so nurturing and so kind to everyone around us, you know, just like we're so strong yet we're so caring at the same time. So yeah, that's, that's what I got. Yeah. I think that's a great definition for it. Resilient and like finding how to care and care for others, um, which I think is such a lovely version of being a woman. (laughs) That's so nice. And something that I always follow up with is uh, if you could give any woman a piece of advice, like just walking down the street, like give her a sentence or two, Uh, what would it be? Wow. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hello. I have some advice. (laughs) Wasn't prepared to answer that one. Um, (laughs) I think, honestly, it would just be embrace who you are authentically and naturally. Um, Once again, I think back to 
my experience with my eating disorder and so much of it was trying to change who I was. You know, there was this facade of trying to change my emotions or change the way that my body looked or um, numb out what was going on underneath the surface instead of just embracing who I was authentically um, and how, you know, my body has built been built really strong and that's who I naturally am that's how I naturally am physically and so um yeah just embrace who you are and don't try to you know suppress that because the world needs it the world needs our most authentic highest selves um and yeah that that just by itself carries so much worth and value Yes, that is amazing. Yes, we do need to be our authentic selves. And thank you so much for helping women on that journey. Um, Camilla, can you let all of our listeners and viewers know um, how they can find out more about your coaching and about your website? Sure. Um, so my website is just my name. It's www.camilla, my last name, Tan. T-A-N.com. Um, and everything about my business and my platform can be found on there. I also have blog posts about when I was going through eating disorder recovery on there. And then um, on Instagram, as I mentioned before, my Instagram handle is at embracing underscore strength. So you can find me there too. Amazing. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on today, Camilla. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.